Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Football today. A roaring into week number nine of the college football season right here on College Football Today. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Gay Morenci, and Hall of Famer Marshall Falk in studio talking about the top 25 games across the docket, Rich. Cocktail party is looking like the best game on the docket today. Well, it's about time that these two teams are both ranked in the top 10. I mean, cocktail party is always a big deal in Jacksonville, Florida, Georgia. A lot of hatred, a lot of history, a lot of rivalry. We used to bring on our friend Corey Allen last year, talk about his experiences in the cocktail party. Now you have both teams in the top 10. Winner takes a leg up in the SEC East with an opportunity to get their clock cleaned by Alabama in December. It's going to be a fun game. <laughs> Marshall, when you, look at the, when you look at the landscape, I mean, these are college kids. Middle part of the season, I mean, this is where attrition hits certain teams. How hard is it for kids to, to bounce back from a loss from a particular week? You know what? It's, uh, it's, it's difficult. You got to think about at this point in time, you're, you're worried about uh, classes. You're worried about taking tests. Are you passing? Are you doing well? But, but most of all, I think most important, I should say, uh, you, you know who you are as a football team. And these two teams, they both know who they are. They understand what they want to do. And to have these, this, this game with both teams uh, in the top 10, you, you understand what you're going to get. But, but Kirby Smart and, and, and what he's doing over at Georgia, it's, it's just, it, it amazes me that he's taking this program to where they are right now. And, and uh, the quarterback situation, do you like it or love it when you, when you have more than one guy uh, that, can, that can lead your team? Yeah, that's, that's the thing, Rich, too, as well. A lot of pressure on Jake Fromm when you looked at it a couple of weeks ago when that loss to LSU did not step up. Georgia did commit four turnovers in that ballgame, and if he starts slow in this matchup, could have put a lot of pressure on Kirby Smart to utilize quarterback Justin Fields. Uh, that's more of a dual threat in this ballgame. I'm ball glad game. Marshall touched on it. It was where I was going to go as well, which is when you look at the quarterback situation, you have Jake Fromm, who I think bounces back after the tough performance against LSU, but you also have Justin Fields. And with two weeks to prepare a game plan for that very good Florida defense, I think you're going to see some wrinkles, some sub patches, some packages that incorporate Justin Fields, true freshman. But now that you're getting into the second half of his first season, beginning to look a little more like a sophomore, beginning to kind of pick up the playbook, pick up his assignments. I think you'll see both quarterbacks. And this is why I like Georgia, because when you take a look at the quarterback position, Georgia's starter isn't just better than Felipe Franks, but I think they also have that added dimension of Justin Fields. That could be too much for the Florida defense. I like Georgia as well. I think they have more talent and and skilled players on the outside that can challenge that Florida defense, giving up around 164 passing yards per game. Marshall, in order for Georgia to win this ballgame, they're going to need to run the football. They're averaging around 226 yards per game entering this contest. Last year, they rushed for 12 of their 15 games over 200 yards and did rush for 297 last year against the Gators. 
How important is that to really take the pressure off of Jake Fromm in terms of third down situations? And balance is going to be everything in this game. When, when you look at it, you, you can't just drop back and, and throw the football. I, I think more than anything, they have to use the running game to keep their defense off the field because Dan Mullins, he gonna, he's going to have a great, I'm talking about a great game plan for whatever Kirby Smart and his defense comes out there with. And I, I actually look for Florida to come out and, and, and throw the ball down the field and, and really have some success. But if they don't have the possessions, that means Georgia running the football, then therefore you're going to have an opportunity to really control the game, make sure your offense is on the field, and force Florida to play run, pass, and then the play action comes into mix. And, uh, and Jake Fromm, has, has, he, he is really good in the play action game. Yeah, we'll see how that game plays out. I, I think one factor when you look at the flip side, Georgia's defense going up against Florida in this matchup, their inability to generate a pass rush, Rich. I mean, this is yeah. a uh, Georgia defense through seven games, only nine total sacks. If they can't get some pressure on Felipe Franks in this ballgame, could be a long day. And more importantly, Florida could sustain drives and keep Jake Fromm and that offense off the field. Yeah, where are those outside linebackers, those athletic, long, lean outside <laughs> linebackers? You've got DeAndre Walker, but outside of yeah. Walker, really nobody's generating pressure. You look at Florida. Ja'Kai Polite, Jabari Zuniga on the edge for Florida have done an outstanding job. they got a bunch of sacks this season. You guys brought up running backs. Where were the running backs against LSU for Georgia? You know, they, they kind of got cute offensively, tried to open things up with Jake Fromm. It didn't click. He had a bad game. So I expect to see one-two punch. DeAndre Swift, who's been surprisingly quiet this He's year. a little banged up entry. And I think yeah. both of us yeah. thought he might be kind of a Heisman yeah. contender. Yes, I, th- I thought so and as And then well. Elijah Holyfield. So I, I, would, I expect to see Georgia go between the tackles, try to run the ball open, as, as uh, Marshall said, open things up for play action for Jake Fromm. And, and let's, not, let's not leave our special teams in this game. Right. You know, we, we, we get heavy in the offense and defense. Um, I, I feel like this is going to be one of those close games and, uh, and, and, and a kicker or a block punt or, or, or a kickoff return or a punt return for a touchdown could really separate one team from the other because I feel like these two teams, they're, they're very close when, when it comes down to what they do and what they want to do on the football field. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I think there's more pressure on Kirby Smart in this ballgame than Dan Mullen. I mean, Georgia oh, is yeah. the defending Easy. You know, SEC East champs. They <laughs> challenge Alabama within three points of a national championship. Everybody just expected this team to walk in, win the title, and face Alabama in the championship game. So I think Kirby Smart really has to roll the dice. Mm-hmm. If they fall behind in this ballgame, it's going to put a lot of pressure on that offensive staff. And Marshall brought it up, Rich, in terms of they're going to need to run the football, but more importantly, special teams will be a factor. And I think the team that breaks tendency first in terms of goes outside their comfort zone will win this ball game. I think it'll be Georgia just because of the playmakers like Hardman yeah. and Ridley on the outside, and they utilize Swift in the short to intermediate passing game. For me, I think that's a difference. A couple of things to keep in mind in terms of more pressure, totally agree. I mean, I think Dan Mullen, based on how he's done in his first season in Gainesville, Kind of a house money situation. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a rivalry game. I get it. It's important. But he's playing with house money. Yeah. I mean, this team is 6-1. and one. Nobody expected it. And the offense still isn't to a point where Dan is going to get it, probably in 2019. Second thing to keep in mind is Florida number 11 in the SEC against the run. So I, if there's any doubt as to what Georgia wants to do today, I think that statistic really bears it And out. Dan Mullins, you know, he, he's familiar with this game. He called plays at Florida once before. He understands the rivalry and what it is. And, 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 and my thing is, I, I go back to this. 
Um, we're going to find out which LSU team was the real team, the one that played Florida or the one that played Georgia, because they they, they played two different games. And, and, and I don't know. And these two teams, when you look at it, they're separated basically by, by LSU and, and, and how they played the Tigers. So can't wait to watch this ball game. Marshall, I always say in big ball games, the teams that could force turnovers and, and switch field position will have – an upper hand in the ball game, and when you look at this matchup as well, Georgia plus two in turnover margin entering this contest. Florida enters this game at plus nine. How important will turnovers be in terms of dictating the outcome of this huge, ball game? Huge, huge. Which running backs, receivers protecting the ball, quarterbacks taking care of the ball. It, it's funny you were talking about um, Georgia's inability inabilities to get sacks, but what they do do is. They make they speed up the quarterback, and sometimes you want to speed him up and have him throw the interception more than you want to get the sack because obviously what that does, and 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 I believe with with what Kirby Smart likes to do, that's what they want to do in Florida. I mean, they they just get after you, they they get after you, but can they speed up uh, Jake Fromm? I mean, can they get him out of his comfort zone because he once they they start running the football and they run that play action. I mean, he, he's sitting back there, he's patting it, and he can he can pick you apart. Yeah, we'll see how that game plays out. Now, Florida has won three of the last five over Georgia and has dominated those games by 18.6 points per game. Georgia did pick up the win last year, 42-7. to I don't think it's a blowout in that capacity. No, I don't either, no. But I think Georgia does pick up a 14-point win in the cocktail party. I, I don't think it'll be easy. I, I think it could be seven points, much like Michigan last week. But in the end, the speed and physicality of Georgia, to me, is the difference on the offensive defense. I like Georgia as well. Keep this in mind, guys. Last year, Bulldogs got smacked around by Auburn. What did they do? They rallied the troops. Kirby got those kids thinking yeah. big picture, win the SEC East, darn near win a national championship. I think you'll see a different team than we did against LSU a couple Yeah, of I weeks think ago. it's competitive as well. I like Georgia. I think they win. I think they cover as well. I, I, I think it's going to be a game in the 35-26 realm. But but Georgia and, and just um, just they've been here. You know, uh, it, and as you said, uh, Dan Mullen in Florida, they're playing with house money. They're going to come out. It's going to be competitive. But at the end, Georgia's going to prevail. We're in agreement. First game on the dock. I don't know if that's good news or bad. <laughs> it depends. We all like Georgia. We'll see how that game plays out. It's 3.30. It's on CBS. We'll we'll touch on that before the show is over as well. Go over uh, some, some late night scratches and stuff like that. We'll turn our attention to Clemson and Florida State. This is a critical battle as well. When you look at Clemson dominating. At NC State last week. Clemson's won three of the last five over Florida State by 10 points per game. This game last year was a lot closer than the score dictated, 31-14, to 14, but that Florida State defense kept them in that game for much of the way. They're going to need a better effort against Trevor Lawrence, an offense that's averaging 256 rushing yards per game and 268 through the air, Rich. I like Florida State to keep this game close, but in the end, Clemson survives with a six-point victory. Uh, an oddity. We are in agreement oh, again, Joe. I know. Very <laughs> rarely do we agree. This is one of those cases. Uh, listen, we know the difference in talent this year. Florida State is still building under Willie Taggart. The biggest concern that I have is that offensive line at FSU versus the Clemson defensive line. Cleveland Farrell, we were talking about it before the show uh, Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, a ton of NFL-style defensive linemen. That could be a big problem for DeAndre Francois and Cam Akers. But 
I think very quietly, this team is starting to play better, especially on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of pressure off the edge. If you haven't watched Brian Burns of Florida State, please watch him today. This is a kid who's going to star on Sundays as well. Talk to NFL scouts. Talk to Willie Taggart in the spring. They are in love with his potential, and he's showcasing that this year. So little by little, they're starting to put it together. This game reminds me of Florida State-Miami, right? What what was the line in that game? 14? 14.5. You look at that game, you say they're rivals. Florida State feels disrespected, getting now 17-plus in this game. Clemson wins. Florida State keeps it close enough to cover. I agree with you. Marshall, in order for Florida State to keep this game close, they're going to need to run the football. This is an offense that's only averaging 98 rushing yards per game, and they only picked up 130 last week against a mediocre Wake Forest defense. How important is the rushing attack in this ballgame? Because if Clemson jumps up early, it could be lights out. Yeah, and if, if Clemson does jump up early, it's going to be lights out. That takes the running game away from you, but you talked about that 130, 101 of those yards came from Cam Akers, and they're going to need to feature him early and often in this game. The two, the two touchdowns was huge, not to mention they threw for 353 yards and two touchdowns. I, I believe it was their best offensive performance, and if Willie Taggart and uh, this Florida State team is going to have a chance, they're going to have to do that. I, I'm, I just – I believe – for, for Lawrence, this is we're going to get a chance to see this. This is a big game for him. This is a big moment for him. We are going to see if he's ready. If he if he as a freshman is as battle tested as he looks because he looks so calm, so cool. He doesn't get rattled by much. But I think I think this is a this is one of those games where it's a it's a close game. I think uh, I think Clemson will win, but I think Florida State will cover, and, and it'll be it'll be that kind of game. Florida State will be in this game. They play each other tough all the time. Yeah, I agree with that. And, Rich, you brought so up So many Burns. athletes. Yeah. I mean, it just, just, just the, the star power alone. I mean, Florida State is down, but Florida State has players. Right. Yeah. And Florida State still has four- and five-star kids. I'm a big DeAndre Francois fan. I think he has a tremendous potential as long as he's protected. Yeah. Now, if he's bounced around like a pinata today, which has been the case over the past couple of years, then it could be a different story. Well, here's the matchup that I look at going up against Trevor Lawrence. You mentioned Brian Burns. He leads the team with nine total sacks. Defensively, Florida State does have 25 sacks. Leads as, the country. As a defensive unit, and they're holding opposing offenses at 33% on third downs. Now, in terms of run support, they're only giving up 100 rushing yards per game over the last four games of the year. Florida State has allowed 83 completions on 174 passing attempts, that's 47%. So as long as they can force Clemson to methodically work down the field, I mean, I think they have a chance in this ballgame. Third downs, Marshall, will be critical for Florida State to pick up this victory or keep this game within the number. When you look at Clemson and you say that, oh my God, if you can hold them methodically. (laughs) I mean, when you you look at Ethan, and uh, it's amazing. You just put a guy in that number eight jersey and they just just play well. I mean, Kane left, Ross steps in, and and they continue to go. And then if you want to move the sticks, you got Renfro. They do a lot of good things and they can, they can, they can dink and dunk. They can run the football and, and get the tough yards or they can gas you in the run game or gas you in the passing game. Uh, I'm going to tell you, Dabo Sweeney has done a great job at, at, at just collecting talent, collecting talent. And this Clemson team, I mean, they can beat you in so many ways. That's why I said for Lawrence, it, it's all going to be on him. I want to see early where his nerves are going to be. If he, if he's calm back there, feet are settled. 
Uh, this could be a long day for Florida State. It can. And when you mentioned going on the road in an ACC environment, I think that we've seen yep. Trevor Lawrence in Atlanta with Georgia Tech. It's a different animal in Doe Campbell Stadium. Tough what, the road what, game to date for him. What could Willie Taggart do to rally the troops, to keep this team? Because they're going to need to get their playmakers, like you mentioned, Cam Akers, in one-on-one opportunities in space and with an offensive line that struggled at this point in the season, what can they do offensively to get Cam Akers more involved in the short intermediate passing game? Well, and that's just it. Um, you, you have to draw up some things to to get the guy on the edges because you're it, it's so hard to run the ball in the interior part of the defense of Clemson. And, and Clemson, I mean – they they're just turning out uh they're just turning out defensive tackles and defensive ends into the pros so those guys understand hey uh, I want to be the next guy up I want to be the next guy in the league to go but um but when I look at Florida State I just I I don't know if if it's just enough to oh we're playing against this team this could be our season I don't know if that's going to be enough but I think Willie's going to sell them on that they're at home crowd's going to be behind them and um they're they're going to put up a good fight I just Ten don't think seconds. they have enough talent should be dynamic. Keep it where it is. When we come back, we'll be talking Penn State, Iowa. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Back on College Football Today, right here on the Fantasy Sports Network, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Gabe Morenci, and Hall of Famer Marshall Falk in studio, breaking down all the top 25 games. Last week, we had Jamie Heath on. He's on every single week, the vice president of sports brokers, turning outcomes into incomes. He joins us. Jamie, how are you today? Doing great, Joe. How are you guys doing? Uh, I'm chomping at the bit for these Week 9 games, Jamie. Uh, we know that you're hot as a pistol. You, you dominated last week. Tell fans what you have in store for today, Week number 9. Well, I'll tell you something, Joe. It's a, it's a great week this week. It's a, it's a rarity, actually. We had five college games Thursday, five college games last night. We only actually only have 44 betting interests tonight, which is, which is actually low. Usually we have around 70. And not to mention we got Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, LSU all on by. So it's an interesting week. What we have in store today, again, we're giving out our game of the year today, believe it or not. We love a game so much. If, if this game doesn't win, which we obviously think it's going to, we love it so much. We're going to give the whole entire rest of the season, college and NFL, absolutely free if this game doesn't win today, Joe. So that's how confident we are. Wow. And there's more key games front and center stage. It starts at 3.30, Jamie, with that cocktail party, SEC East battle, Georgia and Florida. We just broke it down in the last segment. How do you see this game playing out? Well, 
I'll tell you something. Uh, you know, Florida last year lost to this team 42-7, to so right off the rip, we basically have a major revenge in store. Let's say this about Florida. Ever since that Kentucky game when they lost at home in Kentucky, and that was actually their first real test because their first game was against an FBS team, they've really turned it around. They're actually really buying into Dan Mullins. They've, they've looked really, really good. Uh, two weeks ago when they played Vanderbilt, they were down 21-13 to 13 at halftime. There was a major incident in that game where both teams pretty much came on the field. Uh, there was a couple personal fouls, a couple ejections. Ever since that moment, Florida really, it looks to me, got their act together. Felipe Franks actually is playing much better than I expected, much better than I would say everyone's expected. Uh, and looking at Georgia and LSU, Baton Rouge, their bubble pretty much bursted. They got destroyed in that game. They lost 36-16. to Yeah, Kirby Smart's great coach. Love Kirby Smart. Love Fromm as a quarterback. But if you're going to give me seven points with the Florida Gators with revenge on their side, let me give you a couple stats with Florida, too. Florida, pretty much uh, since losing to Kentucky, they're 5-0 and straight up and 5-0 and against the spread, which obviously betting interest against the spread. They're 5-0 and since that game as well. And I'll tell you something else. Florida, when they're playing Georgia... And their and their records are pretty much equal. In which the case they are, they're both six and one. Florida is fifteen and four straight up against Georgia in this scenario. I'm on Florida plus seven. Jamie, uh, we we were talking uh, before the show. I told Joe that you're so hot, I'm gonna have to wear an oven mitt around you, uh, <laughs> just for my that's own fun. safety. That, that, that that's pretty funny. Yeah. I know. Uh, uh, let, let's we, we, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, we've we've been on complete fire. You're right. You guys probably should wear some thermal outfits for sure. To, yeah. <laughs> well, let, let's keep the trend going and head on over to the Big 12. Uh, here in Studio 34, we always sing the praises of our favorite underdog head coach in the Big 12, Matt Campbell of Iowa State. But he's he and the Cyclones favorite. are he's favorites not, today. Not, right. Yeah. He's, not an underdog, he's not an underdog today, Rich. That role belongs to Cliff Kingsbury and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Let's talk Let a little further you. about that matchup. Absolutely. We, uh, and, and it's a game, you know, it's funny because these are two teams that are pretty much flying under the radar. They fly under the radar pretty much every year. Iowa State uh, is a 3-3 three and three ball club. They looked really, ever since Brock Purdy came into the, into the equation, this freshman looks outstanding. He's a dual threat, just like a McSorley. He, he's, he's running the football. He's throwing the football in the last two games. He's thrown for seven touchdowns. They beat the likes of West Virginia. They absolutely manhandled West Virginia uh, a couple weeks back at home. They held uh, Will Greer to only 100 yards passing, I believe 168 yards of total offense to a team like West Virginia. And West Virginia two nights ago, you saw them against Baylor. They look fantastic. So that obviously bodes well for Iowa State coming into this game. It's a homecoming game in Ames. But I'm also turning my attention to this Texas Tech team as well. They they got Alan Bowman back. He was he had a lung in, he had collapsed lung partially collapsed lung. He came back looked great against Kansas. They're road tested as well. They went into TCU and beat TCU 17-14. The thing about these two teams is they've they've had common opponents. Both of them went into TCU. One of them won 17-14. The other one lost 17-14. They both went into Stillwater and had shootouts against Oklahoma State. They both won those games. And Iowa State did beat West Virginia. Texas Tech lost Bowman in the game. They lost to West Virginia. But if you're going to give me, and this line's jumping. It went from four and a half to six and a half. I'm taking the road squad here with Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. I think this game's actually going to be a shootout. Even though Iowa State's 20th ranked defense in the country. Brock Purdy, a big, 
Big game for him, freshman. He looked great against West Virginia. But honestly, I think the time off is going to do Texas Tech better than it is Iowa State. They both had last week off to prepare for this game. Give me Texas Tech plus the six and a half. Jamie, a, a classic Big Ten battle between Iowa and Nathan Stanley. They're on the road against Penn State and Trace McSorley. Penn State escaped last week in Bloomington, 33-28. to Now come back home where they've lost their last two home games to both Michigan State and Ohio State. How do you see this one shaping up? Well, Joe, you know something? Iowa and Penn State, this is a great matchup as well. This is actually my favorite matchup and favorite game, one of my favorite games of the day. Uh, this one also kicks off at 3.30. You're looking at Penn State. They had Ohio State on the ropes. They ended up lo- blowing that game and losing that game. And at the time, it looked like it was an impressive game for Penn State. But now that we see Ohio State is really not as good as everyone thought when they got thumped by Purdue last week. That doesn't bode well for Penn State. Then they lost to a pretty much average Michigan State team at best. You saw them couldn't move the football at all against Michigan last week. So I'm turning my attention to the Iowa Hawkeyes. You know I'm a dog player. Iowa, Nathan Stanley's thrown for 16 touchdowns. This is a quarterback no one talks about. They've got two great tight ends in uh, Hawkinson and Fout. This is like the Stanford of the Big Ten with a better defense. Iowa holds their opponents to only 79 yards rushing on the ground. That's Penn State's bread and butter right now with Sanders and McSorley. They each have eight rushing touchdowns on the season. I'm looking for a smash-mouth type Iowa game. Kirk Ferentz, look, everyone says he's, you know, he's ugly, you know, he's whatever, he's vanilla. The bottom line with Kirk Ferentz is he wins games. They win games. Their only blemish on the season was a, was a game against Wisconsin. I wish they had that game back because I think they would have beaten Wisconsin. They actually were winning that game until the fourth quarter when Wisconsin scored a couple of late touchdowns on them. I, I really like Iowa in this game. The line's actually dropped. It's, it's been as high as seven. It's now down to five and a half. Give me Iowa plus the points. You know I'm a dog guy. You know who else is winning games is the sports brokers, uh, Jamie. Why don't you tell our audience uh, what you have in store for them, what package you're offering to anyone who calls uh, today? Yes. Today today we have our game of the year, our college football game of the year that we are absolutely in love with. I want all your, all your listeners to call us at 1-800-220-6262. Visit our website. Join our website, thesportsbrokers.com. If we don't win this game today, not only do you get our college football for the rest of the season, you also get our NFL for the rest of the season as well. Jamie, one of the more interesting angles for Week 9, in my opinion, is uh, what do we get from Purdue and Washington State in Week 9? Now, you don't have to give picks if these are games that uh, you have for callers later today, but I I want your perspective on the possibility of trap games for teams that are... You know, kind of uh, 500, below 500, a little under the radar. Washington State with game day there beats Oregon. Purdue obviously shocks Ohio State. What do you expect from those teams now that they're going on the road to more established programs in Michigan State and Stanford? I'll tell you, Rich, that's an excellent question, you know. And, and not to mention both of these teams that did pull off big, big wins last week. These are road games. That makes it even doubly tough for teams like this. Uh, so... Looking at Purdue, first off, they lost their first three games of the season, and uh, a couple of them were close games. They had a real tough game against Missouri, but they've pretty much written the ship as far as, uh, you know, they've actually looked amazing. They, they, they played great against Ohio State last week, and that was a major emotional game. Fans were on the field. 
you got to take these things into consideration. You know, obviously you expect a letdown in, in Purdue's case, but I'm not really seeing it with Purdue. I honestly think that this team has the weapons on the outside. Uh, their quarterback blouse looked fantastic. And their defense, surprising. When have you ever said about Purdue playing any defense? They played great defense, actually, last week. They gave up a lot of yards, but they didn't give up a lot of scoring. So pretty much once, once they got into the red zone, Ohio State, it was tough for them to score. So I honestly think Purdue is going to keep their, their uh, role going, and I, I see them winning this game. Lewerke, I don't believe, is even playing for Michigan State. Michigan State really doesn't impress me right now. I, I see, actually, Purdue going into Michigan State and, and pulling, pulling off the win. I believe it's a low score. Uh, affair, but I really think Purdue's the play in that game. As far as Washington State's concerned, look, Mike Leach has really done a hell of a job with that program. This quarterback, Minshew, never thought he would be as good as he is. He's throwing the ball all over the place. Stanford, again, they're known for their smash mouth type game, again, like in Iowa, where they have tight ends. They got Bryce Love, but he's banged up. Again, Washington State, this is their season. If they win this game, they're, they're going to be representing the Pac-12 North in their championship game. And who knows, the Rose Bowl, they, it would be nice to see a team like this in the Rose Bowl. Jamie, you mentioned a couple of games, Michigan uh, State and Purdue, and weather could be a factor also in Iowa, Penn State. How, how does that factor into your handicapping today? Because obviously teams that can run the football and maintain time of possession should be in a— Have a major in a, advantage. Right, in, in a, an advantage to win these ball games. For sure, absolutely. There, are, there is really bad weather all across, especially in the Northeast. And yes, plays into a lot of my handicapping um, decisions, especially when it comes to over unders. Because also, I, I love over unders in certain matchups. And yes, weather when you can't throw the football, it, it obviously plays a major role and a major factor into the decision in the game. As, you know, and obviously the Iowa Penn State game, the total's 51. I honestly think that that game's also an under. I didn't mention the total in that game, but I do think that game's an under due to the fact that the weather's going to be bad, as well as in Michigan. You're looking at some games that I really feel are going to probably be unders when they normally would be overs if the, if the weather wasn't playing into such a factor. And Jamie, we're at a time of the year where attrition is starting to take hold, uh, not just. Uh you know, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, but a lot of high-profile quarterbacks will not be playing today. JT Daniels at USC, Brian Lewerke possibly at Michigan State, Alex Hornibrook is in concussion protocol uh, for Wisconsin. Do you tend to avoid those games? I mean, how do you go about evaluating a game in in, in which the most important player on the team is uh, potentially out? That's a great question, Rich. And, you know, it's funny because certain situations, the quarterback, obviously the quarterback, without a doubt, is the most important position. But there's certain teams that obviously rely more so on their running backs, their running game, smash mouth defense. Wisconsin over the years is obviously one of those type teams. They still got Jonathan Taylor, who's an excellent running back. So I look to them to obviously give him the rock if if Hornibrook's a no-go in that game. Look, Lewerke, you know something? Him and JT Daniels, they really haven't been that impressive. They haven't been overly impressive this year as far as throwing the football over the place. In the case of Lewerke, he's been throwing the ball to the wrong team in a lot of occasions. So I don't honestly think that that's that going to be that big of an issue if, you, if you're going to be playing Michigan State today. I still think they're going to be relying on LJ Scott, and hopefully their defense can stop Purdue, which I don't think is going to happen. And in the case of... Uh, USC today, they got that freshman quarterback today. I have a feeling he's going to actually have a pretty good game. I know that line dropped from 7-3 to three because of the JT Daniels injury, but I wouldn't be so uh, gung-ho to take Arizona State in that game. Arizona State's really pretty much a really bad road team. 
I, I would be very hesitant to take Arizona State in that game. Yeah, I mean, we have teams that maybe aren't at the top of their conference uh, titles or, or standings, but we have teams on the cusp of bowl contention in terms of winning six games. Do you tend to look at some of those teams that are still fighting hard each and every week for bowl contention and eligibility? Oh, with, without a doubt, I do, Joe. And it's funny because now we get later and later into the season. You're looking at teams, my Maryland Terrapins, pretty much. They have to win their game. I know they're laying like 17 and a half, 18, but it's a must win for them because the rest of the schedule looks absolutely brutal. So, you know, I do look at that, especially when it comes to we're into the eighth, ninth week of the season. The further we go into the season, I'm always looking for teams that need that sixth win to get that ball. And it, it means a lot as far as spreads, especially when I can get a team that's laying less than a field goal or less than a touchdown in their home. I usually love. I usually tend to take those type of teams because they're in must-win situations. So that was an excellent question. How about the value of uh, rivalry games? Uh, Georgia, Florida being one, but uh, Joe and I and Marshall, we talked about. Uh, Florida State and Clemson, uh, these are traditionally teams that are competing for an ACC title, possibly a playoff spot. Now Florida State is a heavy underdog. How much does a rivalry factor into your decision-making when it comes to picking a game? It, it, it factors in big time. You know, uh, Florida State, this is their second biggest rival as opposed to, well, actually maybe their third. Their two biggest rivals obviously are Miami and Florida. Their third biggest, would, definitely without a doubt, is Clemson. Now, Florida State, we had them against Miami in that big rivalry game when they were getting 14 against them. They should have won that game outright. Now they're getting 17 and a half from, from Clemson. They're home in this game. When was the last time Florida State was a 17 and a half point dog at home? I don't think they've ever been a 17 and a half point. Not as long as I've lived. I don't know. But the thing about it is Clemson, they look great. They fired on all cylinders last week. Trevor Lawrence looked great. But don't forget, that was a home game in Death Valley. This is another game I actually like. I mean, if you're going to give me 17 and a half points with the Florida State Seminoles, I have to take them. I mean, you know, they are on a down year. There's no doubt about it. But actually... Last week, they looked really good against Wake Forest, especially in, you know, in the latter part of that game from the second quarter on. They completely dominated that game. And let's face facts. I know Miami doesn't look good. They looked horrible last night again. The most over, one of the most overrated teams in the country. They should have beaten Miami in Miami. But let's face facts. If you're going to get 17 and a half points in Tallahassee, and this is a rivalry game, Rich, I got to take the dog in this spot, even though Clemson is a top five, top, maybe the second best team in the country, as opposed to Alabama. I still got to take the points in this game. Jamie, we know you have a special package for fans. Week number nine, tell fans where they, where they can pick up your great picks for later today. Absolutely, Joe. Without a doubt, today's a humongous game. This is the best college football week I think we've seen in a long time with the 10 games that have already been played. Love a game today. This is our game of the year. We want everyone to get out there and give us a call. 1-800-220-6262. Visit our website. Join our website, thesportsbrokers.com. We turn outcomes into incomes. If we do not win this game today, you get the rest of the college football and the NFL absolutely free on us. Jamie, great insight and information. Good luck today, and we'll see you in week number 10. Thanks, guys, and good luck to you. Always a pleasure. Can't wait to talk to you guys next week. I think he's going to be right with Iowa. I'm, I'm on the whole. Oh, guys. I agree. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to yeah, be barking. We'll break it. We'll break it down in the next block. Yeah, but but uh, tough, tough matchup. I Iowa like is trending toward. Now, I, listen, Penn State. James Franklin said they're a good football team that wants to become an elite football team. 
they haven't looked like a good football team in the last few weeks. So, you know, elite elite seems to be in a different zip code right now. Well, granted, they did lose two games by a total of about six points, five points. But the Michigan so. State at home, you can't be losing I that. Game. I know. I'm more sure. How does that factor in before we go to break into a team's mindset as they face another conference opponent? I mean, it factors in. If you're a head coach, you sell them on that you lost close games. If you're a team, you don't care if it was close or not. A loss is a loss. And the thing is, um, James, James Franklin, he's done a great job over there at Penn State. He continues to teach them. So it's teaching them and making sure that they show up today. We'll be talking about that Penn State-Iowa game. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Ritz, Sermonello, and from the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. on college football today. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Gabe Morenci, and Hall of Famer Marshall Falk breaking down all the top 25 battles. Rich, Jamie talked about Iowa and Penn State. That's a, a, a going to be a blue-collar Big Ten battle. Iowa coming off another impressive win last week. Penn State struggled. Even though Penn State won the last two games, I like Iowa here, and more importantly, I think they win this ball game by seven to ten points over the Nittany Lions at yeah, home. I, I agree with you. I, I actually don't think it'll be a low-scoring game, though. I mean, we I think, think about it'll be up there. Yeah, I think it will be too. I, I mean, Iowa. We think about Iowa. We think blue-collar offensive linemen running between the tackles, average quarterbacks. But that offense has started to really pick up some steam. We knew the defense was going to be good. Anthony Nelson on the outside talented, you know, kind of no-name linebackers, but they do good against the against the run. But now offensively. Nate Stanley, Torin Young in the backfield, those tight ends that that Jamie talked about. That offense is starting to pick up pace. Now that you have the offense and the defense, this could be the Big Ten West champion this year. Now, Penn State over the last two years, Marshall, has dominated at home. Mm -hmm. Entering this year, they were 16-0 at home and won those games by 24.6 points per game. But two losses this year both came in Beaver Stadium. <laughs> How does that affect the mentality of a team when you could win on the road but not at home? Yeah, it, it tests the head coach to kind of get back to what you do best. And um, unfortunately, what they did best, uh, he's over here playing for the Giants now. And, <laughs> and, and, and you lose a guy like that, and you wonder, how are you going to replace him? And and I think they, they dumped a lot on the Trace McSorley. And and he didn't get he, he's not getting a lot of help from these inexperienced receivers anytime anybody's stepped up to challenge him. They, they struggled to get off the jam. Um, they were not making themselves available, and he's pulling the ball down. Huge chunk of the offense. And then running the ball. I mean, uh, Miles Sanders ran the ball pretty good. He, he He's running the ball well, but at crucial times, not getting the tough yards. Is that the offensive line? Is that him? I call it the running game. I don't like to blame either one because one needs the other. You can't get it done. And and, and I want to see um, if, if Penn State can come out in this game where we know what the weather's going to be like. It's supposed to be rainy and chilly. Um, it, it's the kind of game that, that, that you want to have, you want to play, you want to run the football, but you're playing against a team who control the football. Yeah, and, and, that, and, and that's Iowa's game. 
Yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, Iowa only given up 79 rushing yards per game, Rich, mm. and they're, they're allowing opposing quarterbacks to only 179 passing yards per game, and third downs, to me, will dictate who wins this ballgame. Now, when you look at Penn State overall, Indiana struggled in terms of they were too aggressive. They didn't maintain their, their gaps and their, their outside contain and allowed Trace McSorley to make plays outside the pocket. We know this Iowa team is very disciplined, and I think that's where they hold the advantage. And more importantly, Iowa with Nate Stanley converting 48% on third downs. This is not a one-dimensional offense that Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa Hawkeyes have. No, it's, it's actually exciting. This is a new brand of Iowa Hawkeyes, which we haven't seen in quite some time it used to be you know kind of just defense running game very vanilla not so much this year I love the fact that he incorporates the tight ends uh, Noah Fant being one Hawkinson being the other offensive diversity defense is outstanding I don't know if Penn State has recovered from that Ohio State loss I I think they're still mired in that that outcome that crushing loss blowing the game in the fourth quarter and defensively Shaka Tony had four sacks last week had a fantastic game they allowed 550 yards to an average Indiana offense. So I'm worried about the Penn State defense as well. I, I think Iowa goes in there and, and swipes a win out of Happy Valley. I agree. I agree, oh, no. Marshall. Yeah, I, I was just about to say that. I mean, and, and we know, we, we look at Iowa, we're used to how they play football, and I believe they're going to try to run the football with Torian Young. The guy's averaging 4.9 a carry. But when you watch Nate Stanley stand up in the pocket and throw the ball, I mean, he reminds me so much of Ben Roethlisberger, just in, 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 in his pocket presence and what he does. And, and, and the two tight ends, I mean, they – they make themselves available. I'm I'm about to nickname them tight end you. I mean they mm. they just they just produce these big six five 200 plus pound guys that can that can not only run block but they can get up the field vertically and challenge these smaller DBs for the for, for the ball. And you, you you talked about on third down. They're seventh in the nation converting on third down. Yet time of possession they possess the ball. It's going to be hard. If you look at the two tackles, the two sophomore tackles that that um that Iowa has. If if Penn State is going to have any chance, they have to get they got to get pushed up the middle. You got to get Nate Stanley off his spot and, and and get him get him out of the pocket, get him moving his feet, and try to get him inaccurate if you're going to have a chance of winning this game. And much to Rich's point, Marshall, I, I think Penn State could be getting worn down at this point in the season defensively. They allowed 270 passing to Dwayne Haskins and Ohio State two yeah. weeks ago. They allowed 295 to Michigan State last week. 333 to Peyton Ramsey in Indiana. Do you feel like Iowa will attack Penn State vertically, even though with a wet track in this ballgame? I'm going to tell you, I feel like Penn State wants Iowa to attack them in the passing game because uh, there's ways of, of, of if you get a team like Iowa throwing the ball a lot, then they're going to get away from their bread and butter. They like to wear you down and possess the football. And and if they're doing that, now you can throw different blitzes at them. You can take some chances because on the, on, on the flip side, you got to remember, Iowa, they're, they're starting two freshman, true freshman corners. Right. So you're going to have an opportunity in the passing game, although your receivers, they've, they've just not been – They've not been available, but you're, th- this game you're going to have a chance, and the big play might make Iowa want to play for the big play, and you could end up in a possible shootout and get Iowa out of the kind of game that they want to play. Yeah. If- when I think Iowa tight ends, you know who I think of? Isiki? No, Iowa tight ends. Oh, Iowa. Fant. Well, Fant is. I think big. Dallas Clark. Yes. Yeah. Did you play with Dallas? I, I didn't play with Dallas, but played against him a lot, watched him a lot. Um, you you want to talk about a guy that could. Uh, he, he wasn't the. 
he wasn't the guy that was going to blow you off the off right. the line, but boy, he positioned himself and he used the releases and the things that he did in the passing game to make him a better blocker in the NFL. And then getting down the field, uh, the, the the catches and the high IQ. If you're going to play with Peyton Manning, you got to have a high IQ. Mm-hmm. And Dallas Clark, one of the smartest guys to play in the NFL. Interesting. That was Clark yeah. back in the day. That yeah. I think, uh, he is yeah. quintessential Iowa he tight is. end, in my opinion. One one quick stat. Not very tall, but he always no. found he always found Didn't holes have to be. in the zone. Very physical. Yeah. Great hands, too. Six of Iowa's last seven opponents under three yards of carry. I mean, how are you doing that in this day and age? Yeah. I think this game, even though it's wet, I see like 34. Yeah, I think, the, I think there's going to be area. scoring in this game. Yeah, I, I see high scoring. You, you see high scoring? I do. I, I think it's going to, I don't know what the number is. It's 51 and a half. I, I think it like could 54. go over, but yeah. I'm, I'm all on Iowa yeah. at this point. Iowa is trending in the right direction. I think they could smell a possible Big Ten West championship. I, I really like this team. I like where Kirk has him headed. I, I like the over as well. I, 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 although I like how Iowa is playing, I just, I just feel like this is one of those games that it's going to be a little rainy, going to be a little wet. Trace McSorley is going to take over. His ability to run the football and, and, and make you play 11 on 11, which is hard to do. Um, I know Iowa's been great against the run, um, but that's when the ball's being handed off and that quarterback doesn't have the ability to make the big plays with his leg. Um, I, like, I like Penn State, not 36, yep. Put up about thirty six points, maybe thirty six to thirty. But I, I, you know, I think I think uh, I think they'll cover too. Yeah, we'll see. They're great home teams. Real so. quick question for Marshall: Wet track, tougher on defenders or tougher on the skill position? Defenders, players? okay. Defenders, uh, and and if you are a skilled team, you understand and you know where where you are going. A defender has to react, and and reacting and and. And inclement weather is, is more challenging. Yeah, I agree, and that's yeah. why I like the over as well, because Penn State will look to push tempo and utilize McSorley on the outside in terms of breaking contain as well. He always keeps his eyes downfield. Made huge plays against Indiana once he broke outside contains. MVP of that team, no yeah, question. without a doubt, carrying that team is about 90% of the offensive production for uh, the Nittany Lions heading into this matchup. It is 3.30. I believe it's on ABC or ESPN. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. We'll turn our attention to the Pac-12 battle. It's uh, 7 o'clock tonight. Washington State on the road in Palo Alto to face K.J. Costello and Stanford. I mean, this is a Stanford team that got a gutty win two weeks ago against Arizona State on Thursday night, 20-13. to They now face a team in Washington State that has defeated them. The last two games picked up this victory last year in the Palouse, 24-21. to But I like Gardner Minshew. I like this offense that's averaging 400 passing yards per game. To me, Rich, I think they win this ballgame 14 points or more. Yeah, I, I listen, my only concern is the psychology. We talked about it briefly. Uh, last week was the high of the highs on the Palouse. Yes. Uh, you have Oregon, one of your chief rivals, maybe your second biggest rival behind Washington, coming into your territory. You get the big victory. Now everybody's looking you know, at Washington State. Maybe this is the favorite. Every week we seem to have a different favorite, right? Two weeks ago it was Washington. Last week it was Oregon. Now maybe it's Wazoo as the favorite in the Pac-12 but I'm gonna look past beyond. I'm gonna look beyond that possibility for a, a trap game. I like this team. I like the way Gardner Minshew, the fifth-year senior, is playing. Tremendous pickup for Mike Leach. The receivers are outstanding. James Williams, both as a runner and a receiver, they have an attacking defense. And without the services of Bryce Love, this has become a one-dimensional Stanford offense. One-dimensional was always the Stanford offense, but it was always a running game. 
and not a passing game. Now you have K.J. Costello and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, but no running game. Yeah. 3.1 yards a carry, 126th in the country. I like Wazoo uh, on the farm. I, I like Wazoo in this game as well, and, and it comes down to Mike Leach. You know, it, it's just amazing. In these games, he's gotten it in the way of his teams more than his teams has lost ball games. Uh, he loves throwing the football, loves putting it up in the air, but I, I, I beg for him to just be balanced. Just be balanced and give your team an opportunity to show up and 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 just do what they what they've been doing. I mean, they are the better team. Uh, they should win this game. But the question, and and, and I, I always turn to Mike Leach and and just he he gets in he falls in love with his play calling so much. Marshall would catch like 125 oh, passes in Mike Leach's yeah. offense. You would How love many that. passes? You would, you would love that. But 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 there's games where you 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 have you have to like cut the risk down and allow your team when you're better to just win the ball game. Don't do things to help your team. I mean that'll hurt your team. Right. Right. In, in bigger games, and this is when I look at the transition of their offense over the last couple of years, Marshall, when they started out very fast two years ago, they were averaging around 120 rushing yards per game. Doesn't sound like a big statistic, but for an air raid type of offense, That's a lot. when you can rush for over 100 yards, you maintain time of possession late in ball games. you give your defense a rest, and more importantly, you control the, the line of scrimmage, which is what you want to do when you have a lead. They're only averaging around 74 rushing yards per game and going up against Stanford in that blue collar defense they're going to need a little bit more in the rushing attack to pick up this victory that's why I said I hope Mike Leach don't fall in love with with his play calling run the football right. e- even if even if you're not getting a lot of yards I, I even subscribe to throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage if it's a screen if it's if it's just a, a, a smoke screen a slip screen something like that you cannot be one dimensional against Stanford even if you are the better team because like you said, they're blue collar. They're going to line up. They're going to play you tough. Um, we, we all know that that they're smart. You're not going to fool them with a lot of trickery. You have to line up in between the lines, get the tough yards, and make it easier on yourself so you can throw the ball when you need to throw the football. You got to stay ahead of the sticks. Rich, we all talk about other players for like the Heisman contention, but Gordon Minshew is completing 69% of his passes, 2,745 yards, 23 touchdowns, six interceptions. He's going up against a defense today that's allowing 252 passing yards per game. If they pick up this road win, do we start mentioning Gardner Minshew? Because this is a team now that could be possibly a, a playoff a contender. I mean, do we start to mention him for the Heisman? Well, I mean, playoffs are reach. I, I don't know if the Pac-12 is getting anybody at this point. I mean, even if Washington State runs the table with that one loss, I think it'll be difficult in this environment to get into the playoff. But to your initial point, I agree. I, I, I think the ceiling for Minshew could be to get here in New York City. To be one of the finalists, uh, I don't know if anybody's beating two at this point. That, you know, <laughs> barring an injury, I mean, he seems to be running away with it. We've said that in the past, yeah. and it doesn't come to fruition. But I love what Minshew has done. This is a kid, by the way, who was ready to leave football. He was going. He didn't think he had a future in football when he was transferring. Then he thought, let me go to Alabama and back up to a uh, in the event that Jalen Hurts transfers. And then he gets lured to Washington State, and he's he's almost become a folk hero out there. Yeah, and this 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 is speaking to Minshew. Uh, think think about in in this game where where I feel like um, his leadership and and his knowledge for the game is it's going to come now. And just watch this game when you pay attention. When they get in the red zone, you got to be smart and selective with the football. Stanford's going to give you some chances, not a lot, 
because they're good in the red zone at making you kick field goals. But you have to take those. You have to take those opportunities and score touchdowns. You can't kick field goals against Stanford and leave them in the game. They're going to give you those windows. You got to make the throws. If he can make those throws. He'll, he'll probably be here for the Heisman. Yeah, I agree. I think he. I think a great story. I think he's a system guy. I, I, we've no. seen Luke Falk. He's more of a system guy. We've seen Connor Holiday in recent years, and Ryan Leaf back in the day. Uh, you know when Marshall played back then. But I think he's a different quarterback. He can make he's, all the throws, and he, he shows he, leadership. Yes. So, so that's what uh, you know. Well, again, talk to NFL scouts. Offseason, didn't know his name. Now right. they're saying this could be a third-day yeah. down, uh, third day, uh, draft pick. This I, could be a fifth or sixth rounder. Maybe get into an organization, begin as a backup. And, and a lot of the intangibles that Marshall talked about, so critical to the position, the leadership, right. the smarts, the poise, the experience that he has, that's exactly what Mike Leach needed. And that's why I love this transfer market that we have in Great. college football. I mean, it didn't really exist in no. the past. But you know what? Here's the, here's the carrot. The carrot is, if you get your degree, let's motivate kids to get their degrees. If you get it, you transfer without having to sit out a year. I think it's a great idea. And on the flip side, we've seen Bryce Love. He's been banged up all year long, but now making the transition, I don't think if even he was healthy, the offensive line marshal isn't playing David Shaw type of football and your former teammate Jim Harbaugh back in the day. They're, they're not physical at the point of attack, especially in the rushing game. Their identity is being physical up front offense and defensive line. And right now their offensive line, they're just not physical. And, uh, and, and, and I feel bad for Bryce Love. I mean, I mean, he would have definitely been a top pick last year in the draft, but he came back and it, it you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that uh, for running backs, the earlier you can go is better for you because you only have so much mile. You only have so much tread on the tires. You know, you, you can only take so many hits and uh, coming back this season, um, I, I think he's rethinking that that now. I mean, uh, played last year in the bowl game on the banged up ankle uh, and, and, and played well. And, and now you find yourself in, in a similar situation. And uh, I just feel bad. I feel bad for him personally. Yeah, it's, it, we'll see how it plays out for him. Well, his mean, stock still, has taken a hit. There's yeah. no question about it. The, the one thing more than anything else that scouts are going to say is, Durability is now going to be because at not, the running back position, that can't a be a question kid. on you. Yeah, not a big, not be a question. He's not big at all. No, nope. durability is going to be an but, issue. But he's not, yeah. he's, 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 he's not thick. Yeah. He's not thick and either. He's not, yeah. he's not a, a, five ten never scares me. No. Five eight, five nine doesn't scare Marshall, me. Marshall, Marshall, yes. always the lore have right. Yes, his lore have. He's not. Uh, he, he's he's not he's not thick in the lower half. If you if you watch a Kareem Hunt, he's yes. thick in the lower half. Yep. Uh, it's, it's not about what's up top. It's, it's usually what's down low, and that's what keeps you healthy as a running back. It's, because not only not only are you getting tackled by three hundred pound guys, but usually you're getting fall you're getting falling on by another three hundred. So that's six hundred pounds on you. Wow. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully for him, he'll he'll have a great combine if he comes out and and uh, makes a team and uh, steps up like Saquon Barkley in the you know for the Giants so we'll see uh, when we come back we'll be breaking down the other top 25 games we're just getting started keep it where it is